it's Tuesday, 27th of February, and it's time to get your gaming green on with a Game Green Greencast. It's talk about games. Ah, Aaron. Hi there. Goes goes. Hi. And Jackman. Hello. And I, as always, am Ace. Games, what have you been playing? <laughs> no uh, preamble. Yeah, uh, I, for my part, I've been playing uh, Konosuba, God's Blessing on This Wonderful World, Love with These Clothes of Desire. I can't wait for the sequel with an even longer title. God, I, I hope so. I hope so. It's uh, it's it's mostly a, a visual novel, but it's also kind of like a you have the characters go out and do either part-time jobs or quests, and then you make clothes with magic and then people wear the clothes and you do scenes and stuff it's silly it's fun it usually does a good job of being a bit lewd without going too far it's nice so it's fan service rather than ichi yeah i i I think so for the most part I mean, I'm only three chapters in, but I haven't gotten to any of the character-specific routes yet. Some of the CGs are um, nice, though. There's one where one character is holding up another character by the chin, and mm, the expressions are on that one are just very nice. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, Girls, what about you? Um, I'm still playing Grand Blue Fantasy Will Link. And I, someone also gifted me Helldivers too, so I I played that a couple times. The first time wasn't too bad, cause I, I, I don't know, I I just played on my own for a bit to get used to the game, and then I used quick play, and I got into a group that that played well. And the second time I played, I used quick play, and I got into one group where. People, the person who owned the lobby was playing music of radio or something on their through their microphone and just yeah. being AFK. And I got stuck in a wall of the lobby, so I couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> and the, and the second group did just didn't uh, really uh, play that well they, they they kept dying and using up all the response so that was my experience so you're eager to play some more i, I i'd like to if i can like play with the right people i mean i could play solo on a like a lower difficulty but for one it's you're not getting as much progress for the same amount of time that you spend. It becomes like a, like a, like work. Like you try to find the most efficient way to progress, because if you just play for fun, you're not progressing. Uh, and uh, yeah, also when playing so, some of the game's flaws become apparent, like loading tanks takes forever. By the end, at the end of the mission, you get like a result screen, and that takes forever to do. You can't skip it. You can't sk- skip specific parts of the uh, like result screen. You need to watch the thing in real time. 
and then you need to watch the cutscene to that takes you back to the lobby. So that's a similar thing in the Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League. You got these unskippable things at the, at the end of missions. It's like just get. I, I don't care about the equipment. It's just slightly worse than the stuff I currently have. I know it is. It always is. <laughs> Come on. No, seriously. Like in Helldivers 2, it goes like the result screen goes through like all the little things that you did, all the side objectives that you did. I'm just just tell me how much XP I got and how much money I got and take me back. So I can do another one. And watch the cutscene of me going onto a platform, getting shoved into a pod, then the pod flying in real time to the planet. And me reading the same gameplay tips that that I've already read. And it's especially jarring to me because I played Grand Blue Fantasy Relink right before I started Helldivers 2 and that game is everything is snappy like even story bits even when where people talk it's all to the point it doesn't drag you can really smoothly go into a quest complete it skip through the results load back into town and start another quest so it's like yeah hell divers 2 is a fun game when you can play it <laughs> okay uh, jackman what about you I've been having a bit of a catch-up period lately. Um, I finished up the 2018 God of War um, and the first part of Doom Eternal Ancient Gods. I can't remember what the expansion thing is called. And now I've just been playing all the other small games I've been uh, neglecting and have completely forgotten about. So... uh, I played a bit of Red Dead Redemption 2. I played a little bit of Final Fantasy World Maxima, or whatever the bigger thing is called, and stuff like that. Played a bit of Way of the Hunter. It's been a hodgepodge. Well, you've been using your time well. If you're not going through your backlog, then what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. Myself, I returned to Avatar Frontiers of Pandora which is still pretty decent. Um, it was nominated for Game of the Year. We talked about it at the time. It's not, but um, it's, it's all right. There's a lot of uh, repetitive missions uh, that, that uh, I'd accessed this um, this new area the last time I played, and I, it, it was a case of your flying creature, the Ekran, cannot go there because it's too windy and it's uh, too far away from its home basically it's, it's just an excuse to make you ride the horse things the dire horse i think it's called and um but but once you've like unlocked the ability which literally you go into a cave you touch a thing and now you can call your ikran it's like uh, oh you must go here and learn this. And you just touch a thing and you've learned it. Oh, there's no cuts in or anything. Wow. Wind sure does suck. So now that I have the ecran, I don't need the dire horse anymore. So <laughs> flying's much faster than uh, than riding the horse. But yeah, uh, up, up on this uh, 
this I suppose plateau is just the same stuff that I was doing before I got up there. I've still got to fly to these floating platforms to disable them and uh, take out these oil rig looking things and yeah the the side stuff is very repetitive if the uh, the main story stuff isn't quite as repetitive but still enjoying it more than I enjoyed uh, Far Cry 6 because I did play that I was looking forward to it because Shingo Esposito's in it but I just couldn't get into it even though it's basically the same thing as Avatar Frontiers of Pandora oh no it, it makes me think should Far Cry 6 have been in early access hey speaking of early access wow what what a transition our main topic uh, early access games is early access a good thing we brought this up as a team the uh, uh, last week and uh, figured it bore discussing of course uh, if you were listening to the podcast back in 2020 we did already talk about early access games with a member of the team behind deep rock galactic but you know this is a different of people so different opinions yeah ace is here now i wonder what <laughs> ace thinks so early access um Basically, the discussion we we had as a team last week was early access is bad because people are paying to play demos and early access is good because the teams get to see how people respond to their game while making money to keep supporting the game and keep creating the game. Yeah. For my part, I feel that both of those can honestly be true. Like, early access is a great way for something that's not quite ready yet to, you know, get like a soft release and get some feedback from people who care about it while still being able to let the creators support it a bit, possibly even giving people a little bit of a discount to get in early and have a not quite a polished version of the game experience and also get to it earlier. But also I think that this system is can be very easily abused to just sort of have a game just never be actually ready and never actually be ready for release but still be priced as if it were released. And just have it essentially either be a flag that says, hey, uh, it's okay if our game is broken or bad or just doesn't work right because it's in early access. Uh, and it kind of, in a similar way to day one patches, kind of gives them, gives people an excuse to just sort of not release a working game. But at the same time, I don't think that that means that it's necessarily bad. I think that that just means that people are using it sometimes for not the best purposes. And it's an abusable system, which I guess in a sense can be bad. But I think there's a lot of good done there, too, as you said. Yeah, I think I agree. Um, 
it, it depends so much on the developer and the individual because it can be a great way for a game uh, idea to get the chance to be tested out to see if the concept works and how it can be modified it gives the community a chance to affect the actual game if the devs are willing to listen but uh, like you said there is also the very real risk and the very real um, thing that's being done which is uh, taking advantage of it since there is little to know i'm not sure if there is any screening basically anything can go into early access and just hang around there for as long as they like which can cause problems i mean some games that have been in early access for years still have no uh, plans to be released and some games that actually are released from early access don't really seem to i'm not going to say they don't benefit from it but it doesn't feel like they've been through even half a year of player-driven testing. Yeah. I mean, if a game is in early access and it's not really different in the final release, then the promise that people who might have gotten the game during the access of, oh, this will be better than the thing that you're getting, that's they're kind of, in essence, being lied to, in a sense. They're getting a game that was meant to grow, and then it doesn't actually grow. I think it has the same problem and, well, some of the same risks as something like Kickstarter. If you decide to back a early access game, then what you get is what you get. And it may not be worth what you uh, gave or will, won't be what you were promised. But then again, there are some big studios that make the most of early access such as larian studios who kept Baldur's gate 3 in early access for a fair bit of time while i didn't personally uh, get involved with it therefore much later i did hear that it was a good system where players get to test out the the quote-unquote rule system how the modified fifth edition rules worked how the different classes felt play how the races felt to play uh and they were able to tweak it and listen to the the uh fans and community true true the uh, official early access faq it's a bit out of date because it says uh, it mentions steam green lights which uh <laughs> hasn't been a thing in five six not, no. years maybe more uh, it says, when will these games release? It's up to the developer to determine when they are ready to release. Some developers have a concrete deadline in mind, while others will get a better sense as the development of the game progresses. You should be aware that some teams will be unable to finish their game. So you should only buy an early access game if you're excited about playing it in its current state. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? No one's forcing anyone to play, uh, sorry, pay for early access titles. Oh, early access sounds pretty great. <laughs> well, if you have a game that's already been greenlit, or you know your next game will be on Steam, then get in touch with your Valve release team. That is actually a point I wanted to bring up that I find 
uh, warrants discussion is for those who are not familiar with the ancient tradition of steam green light before early access was a thing you had to go through a lengthy process uh, with your game idea to get it to get valve to give you a thumbs up before it was in what we can consider today to be early access and uh, the question i'm wondering is uh, should there be this kind of vetting process before anything goes into early access is that a good thing or is it just taking the chance away from a possible game because someone on the decision making team didn't like it that's a great point honestly yeah because while a process like that can certainly keep out a lot of fluff and a lot of stuff that is just going to bloat up the market a bit or people might get tricked by there's a lot of stuff that won't get in there that would still be very valuable to play look at papers please for example i mean if someone saw that as a concept would they green light it yeah uh, i'm curious to hear what was the reason for getting getting rid of, rid of the green light thing what was it just was it maybe because most games were getting in and they were like, fuck it. <laughs> I have a feeling that the system didn't quite work due to... I'm not sure this is just me theorizing, but I wouldn't be surprised if Valve didn't want to have staff uh, to pay staff to go through that stuff because it's costly and they could just let the community do that in the method they are doing now, which is just let everything in and let, let the crowd sort it out. Yeah. Though, speaking of, you know, the crowd and the people doing that sort of vetting work, I do wonder on, this might be a little unrelated, but I do wonder on the matter of, like, price. Should games in early access be necessarily cheaper than they would be once they get completely released? Like, after all... If you're playing it in early access, part of you you playing it is assisting the developers in figuring out the quality of the game currently and assisting Steam in deciding whether or not it should be promoted and stuff. I mean, that in essence is also what consumers do with games in general, but with early access in particular. People aren't like they don't hold people responsible for like giving the feedback and whatnot there's also like founders packs many mm. games do so like if you want early access you buy a founder pack which is usually more expensive than the game is gonna be True. but you do usually get some some odds and sods for getting the found the founders pack mm. Yeah, I suppose that does make sense. But there's a strong part of me that feels that, like, if you're buying a game in early access and you don't actually have a guarantee of when it will be released as a full game or how long it will be until that point, and you don't have a guarantee necessarily that it will have the sort of polish and completeness that you'd expect of a full game then I feel that it 
doesn't make sense to charge the same amount that you would for that same game upon release. Because there's a chance that it might never get to that point. I think I agree with you there, Aaron. I mean, again, it's it's a consumer thing. If they want to put a game on there that's full price and people buy it, then what can you do? But I personally wouldn't buy a fully priced uh, early access product because, like I said, it doesn't quite seem to make sense. I'm basically investing my money into the game in an early uh, point so that they get funds to make it better. Uh, additionally, uh, I get to have a say in, well, maybe have a say in what the completed game will be like. So uh, again, going back to the Kickstarter analogy, it's, it, it would make very little sense to me at least to ask the same price for this nice little tower I built uh, and uh, this half-built tower I built with matchsticks and lemonade. There are a lot of early access games that do raise the price just before their version 1 release. Um, sometimes they announce before the version 1 uh, announcements. Other times they say, hey, version 1 is coming on this date and as of now... <laughs> price of the game is i know vampire survivors uh, raised their price but they they did say we are going to raise the price on this date yeah and certainly when you go to any given early access game uh you get the drop down menu of the questions that they have to answer for that one of them being will the game be priced differently at release yeah, they'll say the same. I imagine there's some that change their mind as they approach a release, and sometimes the information in there is out of date. I saw yeah. one a couple of weeks ago. This game will be in early access for six months, and it'd been like four years. That's another thing I've been thinking about is should the things being written in the info thing be enforced or not? Like, should there be a penalty or something for not delivering in the set time? But then again, that may be punishing smaller studios. And I know some people would argue that Steam and Valve itself has no role to be in that kind of position where they can say who gets to make a game and when, or publish a game or when. Yeah, true. It it would be in a sense, kind of nice for you to be able to like maybe get a refund on a game if the promises made in the early access information are not fulfilled. But at the same time, there's a huge risk of people having big dreams and not being able to get to them in the in the time frame that they perhaps in their inexperience or perhaps due to some sort of major event in their lives or in the world, uh, don't actually get to complete it on time or complete it to the right level that they would like to. And yeah, punishing them for that, especially for like people who are up and coming in the industry or who aren't very big 
uh, would be would feel very wrong and unfair. Yeah, and uh, on the topic of refunds, though, this is a bit off topic for our discussion today. If there were such a system where you could refund an early access game because it didn't deliver, I could see a lot of people exploiting that and just saying, oh, it wasn't what I wanted. I played it for 100 hours, but it, it wasn't fun, so I want my money back. Yeah, I, I imagine in a situation like that, that would have to be like a, a wide thing of like, mm, this game said it was going to be in early access for six months. It has been now four years. As such, everyone who has purchased the game automatically gets a refund because they have been lied to. I like your newscaster voice. I, I don't remember exactly, but there was a case, I believe it was Street Fighter V, where I think there was something written uh, in the rules for refunds where people were able to... Because Street Fighter V was in early access, that was when they did that. And people, for, for, because uh, of something in their rules about refunds, I'm not sure if it's still there or not, people were able to re refund the game after it released, as long as they didn't play those two hours. Like, I'm, I'm not sure what it was. With, is it because you... I can't remember. Maybe it, when, when it ended uh, early access, when it actually released, you got another game? Like, the early access one wasn't the same ID on Steam. Th there was definitely something like that, where someone got Street Fighter V refunded after it released. I mean, I suppose it makes sense that the quote-unquote full release would have an ID, a different ID, but I kind of thought it was just like a, a singular field in the game's Store data. Is this early access? Yes, no. Who knows? Okay, so do you guys play early access games? For my part, I tend to only play an early access game if it's something that I'm like previewing for GameGrin, or if someone really, really, really wants to play a multiplayer game with me and it happens to be really early access and, uh, I have run out of reasons to say no. Okay, I do play early access games. Uh, I, I play early access. I'm basically on the same page as Erin that I usually don't, though I don't, there's no reason I don't, I just haven't found any I'm interested in. But I have played stuff like Small Land and I think Icarus and isn't a Lethal Company still early access? So things with friends. Okay, so um, my my next question of do you buy early access games would probably be no, you get codes from GameGrid. I bought Small Land and uh, Lethal Company. One thing I do do is I sometimes buy the game on early access, but then just either forget about it or wait until it's released and then play it. If I really like the idea or the um, the studio that's making it. Okay, so... As far as we are all concerned, early access games are fine if you want to play them. <laughs> as as a general thing, they're okay. Not uh, we, we don't want to get rid of Steam early access as a concept. Yeah. No, 
But I do believe, think it needs something to help with the situation of well, there's some there's quite a bit of asset flip games and other titles like that exploiting the system, and it would be nice to get rid of those. But it's like most systems like these, it's down to the buyer, it's down to your wallet. To be yeah. fair, there is these games aren't exploiting early access itself. It's Steam and everything <laughs> Steam has available. That is true. That is true. And you see them on the PlayStation Store and even Switch, the whatever Nintendo Store as well. So it's not a Steam problem uh, by itself. It's just a problem. Yeah, I mean, maybe one thing could be when you're buying an early access game, the note that's at the, at the top of the questions about it, which is immediately right above the buy button, could be repeated as like a, are you sure early access game is not complete and may or may not change further? If you're not excited to play the game in the current state, you should wait and see the game progress further in development. That note, and then like sort of like a, a double confirm system, just to like make sure people know that there's a risk. Yeah. Yeah, if if you agree to buy this buy this game, you agree to not come back in six months and say devs have abandoned this game, even if they have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that might be I'm not sure if they have this already, but maybe some just more transparency would be nice. Like the um the questions they need to answer for any early access game. When has it been last updated, for example? When was the last patch put in? Show us like a line graph of the updates. Were they regular? Yeah, like like in GitHub. Developers should be at least encouraged to update the little early access fact regularly. Yeah. Rather than, oh, six months and it's been four years. Yeah. Yeah. One thing with early access games sometimes that I do like is when they have a lot of those updates and announcements where they discuss each of their new versions and stuff. That's that's nice. And since it's on the page, you can look and look at like when they've been updating and how frequent and how much per update. And that's yeah. great that you can see all that before you even buy. Yeah. So I think this all boils down to just consumer awareness. Agreed, yeah. Without a doubt, Steam has some improvements to do. There should be more transparency. There should be more in, in terms of the consumer understanding what they're doing and understanding that this is basically a, a an investment. And it's possible that it will never pay out. But uh, also the consumer needs to be aware that even the most shining golden coin can be filled with chocolate. And sometimes it's not chocolate. Sometimes it's peanuts. I'm allergic. I'm not really allergic. Exactly. Sometimes it's deadly bees. <laughs> anyway, we've reached the end of our, end of this uh, topic and the end of our podcast. Thank you for joining me, Erin, Goz, and Jackman. Welcome. Hi. Thank you, guys. And thank you for listening and subscribing to the Greencast. Your support means a lot. If you want to hear more from us, listen to our anime podcast, The Pals Anime Lounge. And of course, check out our writings on GameGrin.com. Until next time, game on. <laughs>